0: There's joy in every journey.
1: Look who it is, our favorite, uh, B-Cust, the legendary Brian Custer of Showtime Boxing and CBS, Big 3, College Football. What doesn't he do? Although I will say this, uh, Mafia just sent me a photo of him bent over and getting spanked and called Charlie rooting for his cow fems tonight in Chicago. How's that going for you there, slick? What up, son? Are they going to fire your coach tonight and make him walk home?
2: Bro, they should have done that three years ago. I mean, I don't drink, at least not heavily. <laughs>
1: uh, but, I mean, I might just have to. Have, this, this is a disaster. Can you even believe? Because, like, honestly, I have to say this. Before the game, like, so I, you know, I don't usually sit around and watch the pregame uh, on, you know, let's say ESPN or whatever before a, a big game or something. Uh, tonight I was sitting there, I had stuff going on, and I had the game on. I'm sitting there watching, I'm talking about the Cowboys as if they were five-time consecutive world champions going into Chicago. They treat them like they're the greatest team on earth. They got that stupid America's team thing they're still selling people. Meanwhile, they're 6-6 six and six going into the game. They're going home 6-7. and seven. They are anemic. They, they deserve no attention whatsoever. You
2: know, listen, I can't even argue with with that take. You know, usually I'm going right back at you. But for me, when you have a team that looks this pathetic in a division where everyone's trying to give it to you and you still refuse to take it, something's wrong. And, again, they should have made a coaching change a long time ago um, because I always believe it starts at the top. Look, you can't change the owner. I mean, he's the owner. So he's, he's always going to be there. But when you have a coach that can't get you ready to come in and smack the Bears around, who have been so up and down, and get it, I get it that, you know, they've won a couple. But look, it was only a couple weeks ago, Trubisky was so bad, they had to make up an excuse that he had a bad hit. Yeah. So come on, <laughs> man. This
1: is ridiculous. Yeah, honestly, I got to tell you, a Trubisky tonight, like, I thought on. Uh, Thanksgiving, he did a nice job uh, when they were in a problem with the Lions of getting it done. And then tonight he had all of these big third down runs, one of them a 25-yarder for a touchdown. I thought he had his best game tonight of the season, even though he's taken a lot of abuse.
2: Absolutely. I mean, hell, three weeks ago, they made it sound like the man needed hip replacement surgery. I mean, (laughs) mean? they were making so many excuses for Nagy pulling him. Now, all of a sudden, he's running for first downs. He's running an option scoring touchdowns. He's throwing for touchdowns. And it it's like, oh my goodness, the Bears are back, and Trubisky is healthy. Get out of here. The Cowboys are just that pitiful right now, and it ticks me off. All right, let
1: me ask you about uh, the Buckeyes. They are absolutely unbelievable on both sides of the ball. Justin Fields is flat out pimp city. Their uh, defense is is ridiculous. I think their running back, too, is he's going first round. He runs over people. Dobbins, he reminds me, somebody said the other night, he reminds me of, you know, Zeke, or uh, of Emmitt Smith when he was in Florida, and, and the numbers are staggering. I think it was uh, it was when they were calling the game the other day. Gus was calling the and he said he reminds him of that. I agree with that. What do you think of the Buckeyes, the way they absolutely just annihilate Michigan on an annual basis? Yeah, I mean,
2: listen, that, that team, it's not even a rivalry anymore. That, that's another program for me. They need to get rid of the head coach. I mean, when you're in a position uh, coaching that school or coaching Ohio State, it all comes down to one game. Forget about the season. People in Columbus can, can even tolerate If you have a down, losing season, but you better win that last game of the regular season, you better beat Michigan. And that's what whomever – the only person who hasn't done it is Luke Fickle. That was the only guy. (laughs) He was the only guy, and he was an interim. Uh, Other than that, everyone else has – Smack Michigan around, and I don't know what's wrong with those people in Michigan that they have drank the blue Kool-Aid with this hardball who cannot beat a team that's either rated in the top ten and surely can't beat Ohio State, and they keep them in there. But without question, Ohio State is on the offense and defense, probably the most complete team right now in the playoffs, and you know the college football Playoffs committee is just hoping – that you would get an Ohio State and an LSU in the final game. Two great programs, two programs that travel, and two programs that bring big-time ratings.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Brian Custer, uh, the great announcer from Showtime and CBS and Fox, do you think – you know, that obviously they beat Wisconsin already. Now yeah. they're going to play them again. Right. And then uh, I have to tell you, because like, I think they'll handle Wisconsin unless Taylor runs for 220 yards and three touchdowns. But And that's not happening. But I have to say that against LSU, now I'm willing, because I think Ohio State's absolute, just ruthless. They're so good. I love watching them play. But I got to tell you, that LSU football team, I think, can go toe to toe with them. Yeah. Literally, it'll be—I think—a game like Clemson, Alabama. When you know, when Clemson scored with four seconds left, that kind of game. Well, to me, the beauty of what
2: LSU did was they embraced what is going on right now. Uh, with college football, and that is developing that kind of air raid type offense. Remember, even as, as early as a couple of years ago, you know LSU had that kind of offense that was so archaic, you're like, what is wrong with LSU and why can't they score any points? And they brought in people and said, okay, we've got to change this up. We've got to start throwing this thing around. we really got to open up the offense. And look at what it's done for that program. Uh, look at what it's done for Burrow, who has just been phenomenal for them. Uh, it will be one hell of a football game. And you almost have to laugh, Rutelli, because how about this? It was, what, two two years ago at Ohio State, you had JT, you had Haskins, you had Burrow, who was begging to get on the field, who was even asking, Urban Meyer, "Just put me on special teams. I just want to play. Right. Get me out there. And they had – they're a quarterback now who had just transferred in from Georgia. They had all of that talent right. at quarterback. That's unbelievable.
1: I think, you know, I said this last night because that uh, we, we had a discussion on Will, you know, because sometimes a lot of people say he's got Urban Meyer's players. How will he do as a recruiter? And I said, yeah. after this season, I think he'll get any kid he wants in yeah. the country.
2: Yeah, no, w- without question. And Urban's still there. Urban still has an office there. So, listen, he, he's doing stuff for Fox, but during the week, He's at Ohio State, so he's right there with him. But you're right, they got the number one running back coming in. Uh, they've got a number, the number two, I think, quarterback uh, coming in. So absolutely, I mean, all of these – the crazy thing, the way Texas has just fallen off the map, now all of these kids, whether in Florida and Texas, instead of staying home – they're coming up to either Ohio State or the LSUs. They're going to these, these splashy programs that they're watching on television.
1: Hey, uh, because what do you think of the your Reds getting Moustakis? Well, bro, we need something. I mean, come on, bro.
2: <laughs> come on, Fru- Come on. Uncle Fuchelli. Come on. This, I mean... Bro, they ain't been good since my man dusty right left. right let's be real about this true i mean they need all the help they can get they need some bats and they need some starting pitching i mean i just it and it, this closer they had last year i mean it was like a what little lead they had was gone so i it, they need so much help to be, even be
1: relevant yeah no doubt all right let's talk boxing Um uh... I have several questions I, I have for you. First of all, we already know uh, you're doing, uh, you know, Jermall Charlo against yeah. uh, Denny Hogan on Saturday on uh, Showtime at Barclays here in uh, Brooklyn, no sleep till. Uh, Charlo's an absolute freak of nature. Yep. He's a great fighter. He really is exciting. There's uh, no doubt about it. But uh, tell me about the Irish boy, uh, Denny Hogan. Hogan. Yeah, you know what? I, listen,
2: I, I I like him. He's got guts. Uh, he's coming up in weight. Um, obviously, he's going to be – when you watch – look at Charlo and look at him, you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a slaughter. But I'll give Hogan credit. First of all, he's a tough guy. And, li- listen, if you watched him fight Jaime Munguia in his last fight, I think everybody said he won that fight. But, hey, listen, it was uh, obviously fought in Mexico, uh, how the judges gave Munguia the decision, a split decision at that, is mind-boggling when you watch the fight. So he should be a champion right now. Uh, He says it's his destiny uh, to be a world champion. I tell you what, he's certainly going to have the home field advantage, even though Charlo, four of his last fights have been at Barclays. You know those Irishmen travel. They're going to be in full force at Barclays. They're going to be loud and raucous. He gives tall fighters uh, some problems with his movement The only question you have is does he have a granite chin and does he have enough power to keep Charlo off of him? That's the problem because, you know, Charlo's got that uppercut. And J-Rock found that out the hard way. A number of guys have found that out the hard way. And the question is, will Dennis Hogan find out the hard way?
1: So uh, I know uh, my buddy Bruce Binkow is going to be at that fight, and uh, I know it's going to be exciting. Uh, The one that I want, though, is your thoughts on uh, the one uh, at late December down in Hot Town with Gervonta Davis. I saw you you chilling with him and idiot face Broner the other day. (laughs)
2: Well, I I will say, you know, on a side note to to the fight that we have on Saturday, keep your eye on the co-main with Eubank Jr.
1: Yeah, I know his dad is nuts. I saw him out in Vegas last week doing interviews. He was all over the place. Oh,
2: he, he's got to be my guest on Saturday, too. And right. Oh, my God. Whatever he's going to wear, Lord
1: help uh, you me. You should have seen what he was wearing when he showed up. Remember, Mavi, that outfit he rolled in with? I don't even know what the hell that was, but I was taking pictures of it. Constable offers, he, he looked like a constable.
2: <laughs> a hot pimp, huh? Yeah. He, he, he did. He's going to be my guest on Saturday, so, you, so pray for me. I will. Uh, but, Javante, I've always said this, and and I mean this sincerely. To me, the two most explosive, exciting Fighters, just explosive and exciting fighters right. in boxing right now, Deontay Wilder and Tank Davis, because they both undefeated, both have an over 95% knockout ratio, and whenever Tank and Jervon, uh, and Deontay get into the ring, it's a knockout, and trust me, your York is Gamboa, a Phenomenal amateur. He's had a phenomenal professional career. The, the problem with Yuriorkis Gamboa is he likes to mix it up. And when he mixed it up with Bud Crawford, what happened? He got knocked out. Right. And if he wants to mix it up with Tank Davis,
1: it may not go well. So I was at um, obviously uh, Bronze Bomber Ortiz too yep. in in Vegas and uh I want to know what you thought of that uh knockout like he did nothing the whole fight, and then all right. of a sudden that was just that was Mike tyson type stuff and that that punch and I was front row grabbing a rope. I was literally in the front row and then with mafia and uh and then my i I want your opinion of that punch and his upcoming fury fight on february 22nd in Vegas. I think that I think he's gonna uh, kill him dead yeah i I, I think it, it, that i don't think
2: that, trust me, I don't think the rematch will
1: even go near twelve rounds.
2: That's number one. Number two, I give Deontay a lot of credit. People take take advantage of his power and just, oh my God, this guy's so powerful. But give him credit for his intellect. Because this is a guy who started boxing at 19, 20 years old. And you can see the intellect if you watch that Ortiz fight, people were like, Oh my God, he was giving rounds away. No, he wasn't. He was just using Ortiz like, okay, I gotta set him up and I gotta get him in the spot where I can land this right hand flush. So it may take me two rounds, it may take me four, it may take me six. Oh, here's seven. Bam! That's where he is, that's where I need him. And he took his time. And that's and that's a, a smart fighter because you've got to set up that right hand. And if you watch it again, he threw out the left just as a little paw. Right. Just to get Ortiz to kind of bring his gloves up. And then, boom, came right down the middle with that right hand hitting right there on the top of his dome. And you
1: saw it was right <laughs> out when he hit the ground. That was great. Whenever a
2: brother hits the ground and you start looking up at the back
1: of your eyes, right. it's over. I actually, when he, when, he was, when he came off of the canvas, I actually described it as uh, – I was sitting there with Mavi and I go... He looks like he's trying to figure out which island he's in in the Caribbean. Yeah. Like he, he, like he, like looking around. He had like a the muscle, like the, the facial contorted look, look with the eyes rolling. I'm like, bro, he thinks he's in the DR or in Saint Kitts. He don't know which island he's on. So here's my he had other the, question. He
2: had that Trevor Burbank
1: look right, going, right, didn't he? right. It was beautiful. I got a picture of it too because I was five feet away from it. It was beautiful. <laughs> so here's my last boxing question. And then I want to ask you one question about hoops. Yeah, Mayweather 2020. Yeah. Uh we're gonna see him fight. Uh, Obviously, Pacquiao, and then what? Is he really going to fight this uh, Habib Nurmagomedov? Are you kidding me?
2: Here's a a really interesting thing. So, you know, I was sitting there talking to a guy who's very close to to Mayweather's camp. I was like, okay, give me the skinny on this. And he said, listen, you know Floyd is strategical. He is very, very strategical. Do you think he would come back to face one of these young lines at 147? Of course not. No. Floyd is all about big money now. He's not really trying to take a lot of punishment. How can he make big money and not take a lot of punishment? Fight somebody like Conor McGregor, who the UFC world loves, something that would sell, and that whatever, Muhammad, whoever it was, who Conor lost to, he's controversial, that can sell. Floyd will get under his skin with the talk. Habib. Habib, and and you know what? It could sell. It could do a lot of stuff. Don't put it past if you see that kind of fight surface in
1: 2020. All right, lastly, um... My, here's my last question for you off the cuff. All yeah. right, so your boy Cube, who you work with on uh, Big 3. Yep. So last night I dropped 16, 6, and 4, and I hit four 3-bombs, including a 25-foot dagger to tie the game with 10 seconds left. And I'm just feeling like it's about time you tell your boy Cube that if you get a little celebrity action going in a little game in the in the big city here in the Big Apple, you need to call Uncle Futrelli for a little backcourt uh, power forward inside-outside <laughs> game so I can flush a few buckets on your boy Cube's face.
2: Hey, I— We would love to see you, Scott Pharrell, in the big three. Listen. Joe Johnson took it to another level. Iso. Bro, you would take it to super stardom level where even the NBA would be scared of the big
1: three. Bro, I'm playing seven days a week. Chicks dig me. I look so good. You wouldn't even recognize me. I'll see you soon at the fights uh, Saturday night on Showtime. Check it out, everybody, from the Barclays. You've got Charlo, Hogan, Eubank. Korobov, whoever the hell that is. And then on the 28th of uh, December, right after Christmas before the New Year, Jermonda Davis fighting your boy uh, Y. Gamboa, who likes to throw hands. My man, because I love you, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I'll see you Saturday night on Showtime. My
2: brother, there is no weather.
1: There he is, uh, Brian Custer, the great announcer from Showtime Boxing and CBS and Fox. You see him do some college football as well. Badass. It's all on the bench with this, CBS Sports Radio.